Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Today I want to take a moment and I want to try to explain a little bit more through God's Word exactly what does Resurrection Sunday truly mean. And you're going to say, well, Mickey, we know that. Like it forgives us for our sins and we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would tell you that that is completely true, but I think you're selling it short. I believe there are four common problems that every human has dealt with from the history of humans that the resurrection resolves. And I'm going to give you those in a minute. But before we do, I just want to look at the biblical account. And we're going to use Matthew. Uh, The synoptic gospels are very amazing, and we're able to piece some different things, but we're going to be in the book of Matthew, in particular chapter 27, and that's where we're going to start. And and I just want to kind of give an account, but I want us to get to this point of like, like what really is the point? Is there something more, and I want to say this very carefully, but is there something more than just salvation that can be had because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the grave? And I would tell you, though I believe the greatest thing he did was give us forgiveness for our sins so we could have a relationship with him, I think there's more to that story. I think there's more that he wants from us. In fact, I've entitled this message simply, Fine Freedom. And so I'm not going to get into all the aspects of the cross. Where I'm going to pick up is right after Jesus has passed away. We actually spent the last couple of weeks, you can go to the podcast, and we talked about the seven sayings that Jesus said from the cross. I did that in a two-part series. But today, I, I want to focus on like, like what happened after his death and what's still going on. So if you have your Bibles, or if you're joining us, whether it be on your phone or a tablet or whatever, we're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to start in verse 54. And we're going to start with these, these witnesses. I want to give you, I struggled a little bit with where to go exactly with the message a few weeks back, because I think a lot of times we kind of doubt the story. I don't want to use the word story too much. I like using the word biblical account, because we think of story, we think of something that may or may not be true. But one of the things that we have that really proves how big of a historical day Resurrection Sunday is, is you had all of these witnesses, This wasn't just the disciples. This just wasn't certain people. There were several people that were a part of this, so much so that I've already told you, if you don't believe in the resurrection, tell me what else changed the calendar. Like we went from B.C. to A.D. Like you just don't do that just by chance, right? But let's listen to what is said, and we're picking it up with the centurion. When the centurion, this is verse 54 of Matthew chapter 27, when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, a pause button just for a minute. It's not just the centurion, but these are all the people that were witnessing this crucifixion, all the people that were at the cross, all the people that saw the earthquake, saw the tombs. If you read, the tombs broke open, and yes, bodies came up, and these were more witnesses. Like, this was not your normal day, right? And this is on Friday. And all of a sudden, they had a sense of awe. They've realized that something was different. Even though they were tracking one way, when they realized who Jesus was because of what he did on the cross, there was a sense of awe. And all of a sudden, everybody starts changing. And then listen to what it keeps saying. It gives you more witnesses. It says, there was also many women there looking on from a distance 
who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary of Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And then verse 57, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shrouds and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary and the older Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive that after three days I will rise. Now, can I pause again? I want you to know that one of the intriguing things about the crucifixion and resurrection is no matter what the Pharisees, no matter what the chief priests, no matter what people were wanting, it never was enough. They, 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 they've, they've made guilty somebody that was innocent. They've scourged him and beaten him, which normally you would let somebody go after that. You never hear of somebody getting beaten like Jesus got beaten and then still go to the cross. Normally you would be beaten, and that would be the atonement for what you did. But they said, no, no, we want more, and they yelled, crucify him. And even after crucifying him, listen, though they did not agree, they still knew the story. Now, listen to me. This, this is extremely important for you to hear. Knowing the story does not mean it changes you. The Pharisees and the chief priests, they said, listen, that imposter told us that he was going to raise on the third day. And so they set it up trying to want more from Pilate. Say, like, hey, let us, let us send somebody to guard the tomb. Listen to me. A lot of people in life are struggling with four problems, and I'm going to get to them in a minute. And the reason being is because they've never moved from a belief in knowing into an actual relationship and doing. Like, like me and my wife, we hit a point in our life where dating was no longer enough. I was like, you know what, we're we going to make a commitment. And she was so sweet when she got down on her knee and asked me to marry her. I was like, I couldn't tell her no. I was like, I'd break her heart, you know. But you move from like, I think this is going to work to actually saying, you know, no, this is going to work. Like, I'm going to take this. I'm going to receive this. I'm going to do something with this. I want you to know that that's one of the battles that a lot of people have and the reason why they struggle with these problems that I'm going to talk about here in a minute. They never take the moment to truly move from believing to a commitment. They never move from, like, I think it's the truth to knowing it's the truth. And that's what's going on. Pick up the story. We're in verse 54. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal away and tell the people. He is risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary of Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Verse 4, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. 
For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen and he has said, come see the place where he lay. This moment in history changed everything. We have two accounts of people that are at this tomb. We have the guards that are set up to try to protect it. And they see the same angel that the women see. But they look like dead men. They become stone-faced. They become fearful. They become locked. But the angels speak to the women. and says, listen, do not fear. For I know what you're seeking. And Jesus, he is not here. For he has risen. You know, I, I think it's amazing because I think what we do with the empty tomb will determine whether or not we live like dead men or we live without fear. Notice that the angels spoke to the what? The people that have the faith. They didn't speak, speak to, the, to the guards. They just let them be frozen in their fear. Most people struggle with four problems in their life. Why? Because they're frozen in their fear. They don't understand that there's a God that will have a relationship with them, that will speak with them, that will be intrigued with them, that will lead them, that will guide them. No, all they do is they look at the circumstances and they get fearful. But the point of the matter is, is that Jesus did something that we could not do for ourselves. In fact, I want to turn to Colossians, if you don't mind. We're going to turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. I'm going to actually use a different translation than I normally use to understand exactly what Jesus did. And it's verses 13 and 14. It says, for he, talking about Jesus, has rescued us out of the darkness and the gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now listen to what he did. Who bought our freedom with his blood and forgave us all our sins. So the question is, well, Mickey, what am I free from? Am I free from, from death? Well, all of us die, but we all are going to live again. Am I free from the bondage that comes from, from the wages of sin that's death? Yes, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But is there something more? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down these four things, four common things that I believe every single person in this room deals with that today, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be freed from. It's what the resurrection story is all about. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, you don't have to feel guilty about your past. Do you know that humans have always struggled with guilt? We look back and we go, man, I just don't know about this, and you don't know what I used to do, Pastor, and I dealt with this, and I dealt with that, and I had these different things, and, and we feel guilty, and we, we always look at our past, and we always have regrets and struggles, and, and we don't understand that we don't have to feel guilty about our past. See, the resurrection, not only just the crucifixion, but the resurrection gives us forgiveness. And forgiveness, he says, I will put your sins as far as the east is from the west. In fact, I'll give you a little bit of freedom. Very lovingly, because it's Resurrection Sunday, look at the person beside you and say, God, forgive me, you forgive me too. Now, I noticed the men did that real quick. And the ladies kind of looked like, you, you better not. You better not. You were rushing me this morning. I was trying to get ready for Easter, and you was trying to get out. Like you, you know. But listen to me. One of the things that humans, mankind, has always dealt with is how do I deal with this past? How do I move forward in my life 
when I have the guilt of these decisions from my past. Scripture says, letting go of what is behind us and looking forward to what is ahead. I press on to receive the prize that I have through Christ Jesus. The second thing, not only does the the empty tomb and and Jesus' death and resurrection give us the ability to not have to worry about being guilty or feeling guilty from the past, but the second thing that it does that I wrote in my notes is that you don't have to worry about the future. We have always been consumed with the future. If you are a parent in the room, once your child hits, I don't know, about three, you start wondering, okay, what's this going to be like? Where's he going to go to school? Who's going to watch her? Who's going to watch him? What are they going to do? What are they going to do in high school? And then we have this amazing thing, right, in education that we expect all of our students at about, I don't know, age 15 to know what they're going to do for the rest of their life. You know, because I want to put you in a certain academy, and that way you can get trained. And, you, and the only problem is, like, well, I, but I don't like it. <laughs> like, that sounds great, but what if I don't like this? What if this is not what God's called me to? What if this is not where my purpose is? What if this is not what I'm being motivated by? But the bottom line is we have always, as a humankind, we've always been consumed with the future and what it holds. Do you know that we know also that through the cross and through the resurrection and the empty tomb, God says, you know what? You don't have to be anxious about tomorrow. In fact, the way Jesus puts it in Matthew is he says, do not be anxious about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own. He's basically saying, listen, you're going to start thinking about tomorrow and today going to get you. But he talks about the, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And if I take care of these things, how much more precious are you that your father would not take care of you? And then he even tells him, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go to prayer place, there are many rooms. And if there were not so, I would have told you. But you know what? I think most people, if we were to be honest, we'd sit here on on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and and probably even this week, there's been a moment that we've thought about things I've done in the past and wondering, is it going to keep me from things in my future? You say, Mickey, how do you handle that? Well, I eat. That's the reason why I'm as big as a house. I just go emotionally eat. I just, like, go to El Caz and start eating chips and salsa until God speaks to me. You say, how's that working? (laughs) Not real well because I've been eating a lot of chips and salsa lately. (laughs) But at some point, we have to accept what's already been given to us. I I want to handle this extremely carefully. Because I know there's real things, but, but you know, Scripture says to, not to be anxious in anything, but petition. Through petitioning God, he can give you a peace that will surpass all your understanding. We're living in a time where we don't know, right? And the more we don't know, then we start struggling, going, oh, but I'm going to miss it, or I'm going I'm to not have something, or I just don't want to miss out on what God has. I don't want to miss out on what is supposed to be a part of my life. I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to look back in life and, and miss it. And listen to me, in the, in the whole process of trying to make sure you don't miss it, listen, you're missing it. It's the story of Mary and Martha, right? A lot of you are going to have a lot of people over this afternoon for Easter, and you're going to have your family. 
And yes, everybody's going to eat, and everybody's going to laugh, and everybody's going to cut up. Can I give you a little encouragement? Here's some freedom for everybody in the room. Don't get so caught up in trying to host Easter that you don't have Easter. Like nobody, listen, I'm looking at you just like you, a lot of you guys, you'd be all right if you don't eat lunch. You need to spend some time with each other. You need to laugh. You need to cut up. You need to talk. You need to, you need to spend time. You need to play cards. You need to talk and look and do different things and whatever it may be, watch the golf tournament. Do whatever it may, just putting that out there just to say, you know, hey, I hope that we watch the tournament, you know, do something and spend time with each other. But I know in my own personal life, in my life, when my boys say, hey, Dad, why don't, you, why don't you grill something? Why don't you smoke something out there? And I start getting the meats and the rubs and get everything going. And, and next thing you know, I get done and we eat this amazing meal. And, and next thing you know, they're leaving and I'm going, man, in the process of trying to, to, to provide something, I didn't provide anything. Because we don't really grasp what really God did on Easter Sunday. He gave you the ability to not only not have guilt about your past, but he also gave you the amazing ability that you don't have to worry about your future. The third thing that he resolved that all humans have struggled with from the beginning of time, and the way I wrote it in my notes, is living without purpose. Everybody struggles with why am I here? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 actually puts it this way, that you may know the hope to what God's called you to. With the empty tomb, what it really resounds is that, you know what? Every one of us has a calling. Every one of us has a purpose. Every one of us has something that God wants us to do. You say, oh, but Mickey, not me. You don't understand about my past. Hey, listen to me, remember? You don't have to feel guilty about your past. Oh, you don't know about my abilities and struggles, and I don't know that I can do that. Listen, you don't, have to, you don't have to be worried about your future. Through the cross and through the empty grave, guess what? You can have hope. And if we look at God's word, he links your hope to your calling. Can I say this as carefully as I possibly can? If you struggle with hope, I guarantee you, you can't answer this question. What are you here for? See, we find hope in our calling. We word it this way, in our purpose. Like I believe that when God created you, he didn't get all the way to the end of it. And we'll pick on Kevin here, our our drummer up here. He didn't get all the way to the end of of Kevin. And like right before he's like, oh, man, I messed that up. Dang it. Now he's going to like to beat on stuff. I don't know how we're going to handle this. No, he, he created Kevin with a particular purpose, a particular calling, gave him talents, gave him gifts, and gave him the ability that he, through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, could have everything that God wanted for him and have an amazing purpose that his life, listen, here's the key, would outlive his own. Because isn't that the story of the resurrection? That Jesus' life, would outlive his own, like he's still alive, though he died. And listen to me, you, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, though one day you may die, 
you still going to have a legacy that lives. All the grandparents in the room, yeah, they're going to remember you. They're going to talk about Nana, Nini, Nana, Grandma, whatever they call you. All the men in the room, yeah, they're going to talk about you. Grandpa or, or whatever it may be, Pops. Why? Because the way that we live our life and what we do with Jesus will determine how people remember us. And I promise, trying to do it on your own is not what today represents. But the last one I think is probably the most important. It's the thing that started about three seconds after the crunch of the so-called apple happened in the garden. You no longer have to work your way to heaven. Do you know that from the time sin entered this world in the garden through Eve and Adam, then all of a sudden from that moment, we started working the land and doing different things and a sacrificial system was put in place so that we could have a relationship with God. In Passover, what Jesus was celebrating that would end up becoming Resurrection Sunday was a time where people were bringing different sacrifices and remembering an Old Testament part of life where Moses had went to the Pharaoh and they put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost and that would allow the Spirit of God to pass over that house and it would save them. They were working so that they would be saved. They were working so that they would receive something. They were trying to earn favor with God. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to tear the veil. There's no longer going to be a separation between my people and me. And my people, they will be my people. And I, I will be their God. And there's not anything they'll ever have to do to earn what my love is. I, being Jesus, will love the world so much that I will die. Now, do they have to accept that? No, they do not. Because freedom is a choice. That's one of the things I love when I start talking about freedom is I think about freedom is an amazing choice. In fact, everybody in this room, you are here because you have freedom. Now, if anybody has your cousin that has an ankle bracelet on, don't tell me, okay? Hey, we're cool. But everybody, the best of my knowledge, like you're here because you have freedom. But depending on what you do with that freedom determines if you remain free or if you end up being captive. Like my freedom doesn't mean I can go do whatever I want to do. It means I have the ability to not be captive and to do the right things that God has called me to do. Like this is kind of a big point to, to understand. Because a lot of people get entrapped with this. They say, well, I just don't understand because I want to love Jesus, but man, I, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly getting things happening in my life. Listen to me. Obedience goes a long ways in freedom. Just like in this world, if I choose to go out and use my freedom to take somebody else's freedom, guess what? I'm, I'm no longer going to be free. I, I'm going to be captive. You'll be able to go to a certain place and <laughs> they'll have me there on a regular basis, and I'll be ready for every Tennessee game. Why? Because I'll have my orange jumpsuit already on. <laughs> but depending 
on the way you use your freedom will determine on whether your freedom multiplies or shrinks. I believe that's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It's about allowing us all to no longer feel guilty about the past, to no longer be consumed with all the different things and trying to to think about what does the future hold and worrying about that, to no longer trying to figure out all these different concepts and, and what's my life and do I have a purpose and does my life really matter and why am I here and nobody likes me and where am I going to find acceptance? He's like, no, I, I, if, if you're breathing, then I've created you to be an heir of the king. And the biggest point is, and guess what? And you don't have to earn this anymore. Paul says it's through grace that you will be saved, not by works that any man should boast, but it's a free gift. And I think that's where we really get messed up. See, I I think whenever we hear free, we think cheap. I heard a pastor this week, uh, actually a local pastor, a a great guy, Pastor Lipsy, and I heard him and and he was talking and and he made this comment and it was really intriguing to me because I was listening to the radio and they were playing some Christian music. I was just excited about this week. And Pastor Lipsy said this. He said, we as a humankind, we have always associated free as cheap. But you need to know that even though the gift of salvation is free, it did not come cheap. It came with a great price. But I think that a lot of times when we talk about Resurrection Sunday or Easter or whatever terminology you'd like to use, I think a lot of times we shrink it. I think we come in and I think we feel like, oh man, this is awesome. It's Resurrection Sunday, and and we celebrate resurrection because because of the resurrection, I can get forgiveness of my sin, and I don't have to go to hell. I I get to live in heaven, which is true. And then we leave, and we go live like a bunch of captives. We go and live like slaves. And we let our anxieties, we let our struggles, we let our We let our past and we let our not knowing the future and we let all these different concepts of what we're supposed to do in life and trying to earn a living and then we find find ourselves still trying to be good enough, don't we? And today, all I wanted to tell you is simply this. Resurrection Sunday means it's done. Do you know why Jesus didn't stay in the tomb? Because he didn't want you to have to stay in your tomb. Like, no matter where you are today, you don't have to stay there. His ability to be on the cross and come off that cross. His ability to be in that grave and come out of that grave. His ability to be seated at the right hand of God, but yet there's coming a day where the trumpet's going to sound, the clouds are going to break, and he's coming back. There's never a point until the new heaven and the new earth that he says, hey, you know what, we're going to stay there. And because of that, all I want you to know is, You're not captive. You have the ability to move. You say, well, that that sounds kind of cool, but when I leave here, like tomorrow, like today's awesome and it's Easter, but tomorrow they expect me to be at work. Yeah. This week, somebody will probably bring up something that I did maybe last week. Yep. And as I'm thinking through what's next, I I still get a little bit worried and and anxious because I I just don't want to mess it up. I get it. Well, how do I deal with that? You mean 
being human. I would tell you the way I deal with it. I realize being human is not a flaw. It's just part of my life. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, I can have forgiveness. And if I can't learn to forgive myself, then I can't expect anybody else to forgive me. And that forgiveness starts when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing myself to not be my own worst critic. Because, see, I don't know how you are, but for me, I know everything that I've ever done. I've joked around about this. Do you know I bat a 1,000? I bat a 1,000 in the fact that I've been a part of every one of my poor decisions. Now, I've got some friends that just so happens I was with them a lot when I made one of those decisions. But when it was all said and done in 48 years of life, I've been a part of every single one of my poor decisions. You say, oh, does that make you less? You're not able? Nope, it makes me need a Savior. And so I accept him. Because I realize that I can't do it. See, I, I would try to work towards heaven. And I would work myself to the bone trying to earn salvation, but I don't have to. You know, I would worry about the future. I I think about you guys and us and everything on a regular basis. I would worry myself to death, but, man, I'm glad I don't have to. Do you know, I, I would question myself all the time about why am I here. Like, Lord, are you sure? Like, you want me to do what? Like, I, I don't know about that. And I would, I would literally, I would find myself constantly doubting that I was ever meant to make a difference until I realized I didn't have to. And in fact, a past, he say, well, pastor, you just don't understand. I know that you're a pastor, so that meant you were born and pretty much you probably went to church your whole life and you probably not made some of the decisions that I've made. Well, I need to take you to lunch because we've never met. And I don't have time to tell you a whole lot of my story, but all I wanted you to know is this. I didn't accept Christ until I was 16 years old. And the reason why I accepted Christ at age 16 is because I was exhausted from trying just about everything else and none of it was fulfilling. And all I want you to know today is that you don't have to stay there. Resurrection Sunday is about freedom. And you can choose it. Here's the way I wrote it in my notes. And I'm done. Today we celebrate the cross because it gives us forgiveness. We celebrate the resurrection because it gives us life. But when we put them both together, it gives us hope and freedom. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.